good. It's warm again. Did you guys see the weather forecast? Like 15 degrees all week. Hell, I'm golfing on Saturday. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My golf season is not over. Come on, how many people were here last week for Pastor Cody's preach on the church? The good, the bad, the ugly. Anybody enjoy that? Come on, I heard a ton of good feedback. So we are still in our series called The Wrestle. And tonight I have the dreaded privilege of talking to you guys, my friends, my family, about probably one of the most debated, discussed, argued, intense, wild topics on the planet that exists from this book. Because tonight we're going to talk about heaven and hell and the fate of all humanity. It's like a book title, Love Win, you know, or Love Wins, Heaven and Hell and the Fate of All Humanity. I stole that. I don't believe what Rob Bell believes, but, you know, we'll figure that out tonight together. Amen? Amen. Amen. So how many people have questions about hell or heaven? How many people got questions? Okay, Brett, my, my, actually Calvin, Pastor Calvin, uh, come grab this mic. And we're just going to field some of the questions that we may not be able to answer all of them. But let's just get a sense on where you guys are at. So who wants to ask? No, you go down there. You go down there. And you, you pass the mic around. You're not, do you want to preach right now, bro? Okay, who, let's hear some questions. Let's hear some questions. All right. All right, is anybody, we got one over here. We got one over here. Now, these questions may be asked, but I may not answer them. I'm just going to let you guys know that right now, all right? But we're going to ask them anyways, just to see where we're at. Hey, tell us, what's your question about heaven or hell? Either one. Just curious, is there different levels of hell? Wow. We've all heard that question. There's a special, or we've heard the saying, there's a special place in hell for pedophiles or terrorists. That's what the saying is. So, good question. Not going to answer that. Next question. Let's see them hands. Let's see some more questions. Some more questions. Come on, come on, come on, come on. There's got to be more than that. There's got to be more. Nobody? Seriously? Oh, I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you for that hand. My man, Quinn. Is that Quinn back there? Oh, Quinn, Quinn's next. Justice, talk to us, man. What's your question? Um, in the Bible, it says the devil will suffer forever and ever. But the what? It, in the Bible... It says that the devil will suffer forever and ever, but does it, will humans suffer forever? Great question. That's an excellent question. We might answer that one. We might. Okay, Quinn over here. Quinn over here. Uh, how does like a finite amount of actions like justify like infinite punishment? Wow. Has anybody ever thought that before? Wow. Has, has anybody thought that before? Say it again. It was so such a good question. Say it again, Quinn. Somebody's shouting you down from over here. What? Say it again. Uno mas. Por favor. Uh, how do like a, a, a finite amount of actions like justify like an infinite punishment, like an eternal punishment? You hear that? Okay. All right. All right. More more questions. Yeah, anybody got any questions on heaven? Anybody? 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 Come on. I just put a hand up. Put a hand up. Force one of your neighbor's hands up. Make them ask a question. Okay, this section is reliable. This section over here, y'all are, y'all are slacking. Okay, go ahead. Um, people with disabilities and people who can't actually make up their own mind. Yeah. Where do they go? Like babies? 
Does anybody have an answer to that? I think that's an easy one. Amen. All right, enough said. I just, or just, I just, well, <laughs> I just think they go to heaven. Amen. All right, next question. Um, do people perish without hearing the gospel? Ooh, ooh. What about all those people in the jungle? You never know. I will go raft to the jungles. God, here I, you know that popular Starfield song? Here I am, here, Lord send me to the world, to the lost, the broken. Does, he, does anybody ever sing that song before? It's a classic. Okay, next question. Any more questions? We got time for one more. All right, I see that hand. My man. My man. Babies that die in stillbirth, do they go to heaven or hell? Did you hear her question? We just decided as a corporate gathering, yes, they do. Amen? Amen. Yeah. My mom had two miscarriages. I've had some friends that have had some stillborns. Uh, I just believe that they go to heaven. That's just what I believe. But I'm not here to... Th- okay, we got one more. We got one more. I, I, my mom had two miscarriages. I think I got a brother and sister in heaven. And they're turning up with Jesus right now. So I have a Probably question laughing at for their everybody preach. in the room. Okay. Has anybody ever thought of hell as being a refining fire? Ooh, refine. So he God redeeming and refi- <laughs> refining you. So, yeah. yeah, think about that. Yeah, could it be like a process of refinement and then one day you go to heaven? So, all right, so we got a lot of those questions. You can put that right there. Everybody get thank Calvin. Pastor Calvin Forbes. From Journey Church, if you're looking for a great church in the Northwest, literally in Cochrane, Journey Church. Check it out. It's a new church on the block. It's lit. So tonight, if we're honest, those questions don't even scratch the surface of this topic. If we're honest, there's some good questions, and we might go over a few of them. But what I find is that the more we ask these questions, the more questions we have. Anybody find that ever before? And I just want to tell you straight up, I'm no expert on this subject. I haven't written a book on it. I haven't like, like, you know, like ever necessarily even taught on it before. I think I taught on it at youth once. But for the past decade, and I'll be honest, probably 15 years, I've had a lot of these same questions. What I want to do tonight, what I feel like we can accomplish tonight is together coming and opening up scripture, not just opinion, because oftentimes when we talk about these things, it's like a bunch of opinions come in that are great, but are they biblically based? Do they have backing from scripture? So what we're going to attempt to do tonight is research some of this, because I don't know about you, but I was a child in the 90s, and man, literally hell and heaven were like the main motivators for me following Jesus. It's like, don't you want to go to heaven, James, and hang out on clouds? Like, yeah, of course I do, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not mess up, or aren't you scared of hell, James? Like, you better not mess up again. Like, like is anybody a child in the 90s where you, the main persuasion for you following Jesus was heaven or hell? Thank you, my man. You're like the 80s, though, for sure. <laughs> is that true? You're a 90s baby? Man, you look old. In a good way. Mature. Mature and good looking and like a great jawline. 
What, what year were you born? What? 92. Let's. Oh, you were born 82. Oh, you were an 80, 80 child. Okay, okay. But I don't know about most of you, but I was born in a time where the church, pastors, parents, people in authority, they would, the only time they would talk about heaven or hell was using it for fear tactics to get me to fall in line or to get somebody to fall in line. And to be honest, in today's culture, that doesn't cut it. Because in the 90s or in the 80s or prior to that, not everybody had a decent understanding of scripture. We didn't have this thing called Google where we could just go and look up the answers. There was, there was, there was, we just kind of had to trust our pastors or our leaders. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't cut it anymore. So we got to ask some tough questions. And again, I'm not an expert, but I've learned a few things. And if you have any complaints, just email brett.stoffer at fachurch.com. Dot com. Amen. Let's pray. And then we'll dive in. God, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray as we dive in that we would learn something from it and that we would be able to go home with a better understanding of why you created both of these things. Tonight, we're not here to discuss or debate whether they are in existence or are real. We're here to discuss the surrounding topics around them. Scott, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, 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 amen. All right, all right, all right. Before we get into hell, before we do like a deep dive, because I feel like that's where most of the questions came from tonight, we just got to set a few things clear when it comes to heaven. So if you like further study, if you like reading, I'd recommend two books for you. Number one, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. Has anybody ever read that book before? A few of us. Incredible book when it comes to heaven and death and life, etc. Another good kind of classic one is Heaven by Randy Alcorn. So go do that. Go study. But let's talk about a few things that the Bible does point to in regards to heaven. So here's what we know what heaven is based upon scripture. Number one, it's God's home. That says that in Matthew 6, 9. And I'm reading these scripture verses so that you can write them down and maybe do some extra study when you get home. Number two, it's where the angels are as well. Mark 13, 32. Number three, God's, it's God's servant's destination. In Revelations 22, 3, it says that. Number four, there will be no mourning, crying, pain, or death. In Revelations 21, 4, it says that. But it doesn't allude that we will have emotion. We're not just going to cease and become some sort of like whatever. Like we still have emotion. Number six, it will consist of a ransom people from every tribe, people, language, and nation. It says that in Revelations 5, 9. Number seven, it will have a river of the water of life, bright as the crystal with the tree of life there as well. It says that in Revelations 22, 1 to 2. Number eight, it will be made from pure, transparent gold. How many people are excited about that? Anybody excited about that? I just, I, I'll just, this one's for free. I hate that I just said that, but you know, they're like, heaven's gonna be so cool that gold is just, it doesn't even matter in heaven. So you walk on it. Like, anyways, it's gonna be lit. Number nine, the glory of God gives everything light, that there's no sun or moon, but the light in heaven is God. Number 10, righteous people will be made perfect, Hebrews 12, 23. So that's a good question. Will I struggle with sin? Hebrews 12, 23 alludes that we will not. We will be made perfect. Number 11, we will be doing a lot of worship. That's what we normally hear about heaven is that we're gonna be singing holy, holy, holy for all of eternity. How many people are excited about that? I'm excited about that. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be doing a lot of worship. It says that in Revelations 19, 1 to 5. Number 12, it's going to be like paradise. It says that in Luke 23, 43. Number 13, there's going to be a lot of rest. 
Jesus' name, thank you so much. Hebrews 13, 11. So there's a few things we know about heaven. I just wanted to list those, list those off just so we could have somewhat of a base. But I think the larger question surrounding heaven is who gets in and who doesn't. Has anybody ever wondered that before? Who gets into heaven and who doesn't? And in order to answer the question, I really believe that the Bible does answer this one. Because it doesn't answer all of them. Let's just be honest. But let's dive in and let's see what the scripture says about when it comes to getting into heaven. We see a few different variations of the same commandment on how to get into heaven. And here are a few references. Romans 1 verse 16. The Apostle Paul says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, which is belief, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not works. You can't earn it. You can't like strive for it. You can only receive it. Lest, because the scripture says, doesn't want anybody to boast, to say that, oh, I earned it. Romans 10, verse 9 to 10. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, We see the common theme on how it is that we can receive salvations, which is believe in your heart. In one variation, it says believe and confess with your mouth. So it's simple. How do you get into heaven? Believe in your heart. But some of you are like, hey, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. What about that scripture in 1 Peter that says you are saved through baptism? Or or some of you, maybe if you really know your Bible and you've done some deep dives, maybe you're asking the question like, hey, whoa, whoa, what about that? What about that scripture that says that women are saved through childbearing? Anybody ever heard of that one before? First Timothy? Nobody? No? Has anybody ever read that one? Angela, you've read it? The boys have read it? Literally, Bible college, this was highly debated, let me tell you. Because the women were like, we're not saved through having kids. That's dumb. What if I can't even have kids? Obviously, we know that's not it. So, but some of you are asking that. So you're like, hey, How do we understand and wrestle with that? So first off, those verses are one-off scriptures, and they're not repeated themes. And one of the best things that I learned in Bible college or in the study of the word is that every single verse has to be interpreted through the entire Bible. Now, how often and how we get a bunch of different denominations or a bunch of different belief systems or a bunch of different opinions is because one person or a certain group of people will take one verse out of the Bible and then they'll make that their primary doctrine, which is not a good practice if you truly want to understand what God or Jesus or the authors are trying to say through this scripture to you. If you want to understand it, you got a number, number one, interpret all of scripture through the whole Bible, and number two, interpret scripture through the life of Jesus. So, what are the context of these verses? Because obviously they weren't repeated themes. Well, many scholars and theologians believe that both passages are in relation to Christ and his life. The verse that we read that will be saved through baptism, scholars say that it's through the baptism of Christ into his burial, into death, and into resurrection, which is how we are saved. People explain it like that. That's just one one opinion. And the verse through childbearing, scholars say it's through Christ's birth into this world that, and so he could live and sacrifice his life for us, which is also true. But again, those are just some people's interpretations of scripture, and we won't get stuck on those because ultimately, 
the Bible is clear on how we get into heaven. One way, Jesus, you're the only one I could live for. Amen. No, it's not the whole song song. It's, it's, it's clear. Believe in your heart and you can get into heaven. Because a lot of times the question is asked like, oh, well, does our sin disqualify us from heaven? Great question. Anybody got an answer? Debated, yeah. Debate, it's, or yes, that's one of the aspects of the debate. But it's not a trick question. Do your sins disqualify you from getting into heaven? Thank you, Matthias. He, he was really confident. He's like, no, <laughs> no. All it takes, scripturally speaking, is for us to believe. To believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and we'll get into heaven. Now, maybe some of you are thinking like, well, well, can I lose my salvation? Has anybody heard of this thing called Calvinism? Or Arminianism? Anybody? Anybody heard of Arminianism? A lot of people believe there's this concept called the tulip. And one of, the, one of them is, is once saved, always saved. Now, to your point, faith without works is dead. Could you lose your salvation? Does anybody know? So we got some thoughts. We got some thoughts. We got some opinions. We might not answer that one tonight. <laughs> just going to leave you. It's supposed to inspire you to go study on your own, okay? I'm just like, like tickling your fancy or whatever. I don't know. But it's simple. We're just going to answer this question. To get into heaven, all you got to do is to believe. And it's going to be lit. There's lots of feasting. But... If there's a heaven, there is a hell. So let's talk about that. Now, here is what I find the primary questions surrounded around hell are. And here are the questions. Does God or can God send people to hell? That's a good question. If you do go to hell, is it forever? Or is it a redemptive state until you're tired of it and want to surrender your life to Jesus? Here's another question. How does hell fit with God's character of being a loving and forgiving father? That's a legitimate question. Then another question. If God offers forgiveness in this life, why does he not offer forgiveness in the next? Now those are some good questions, but how our viewpoint lines up will answer those questions differently. So here are the four primary views on hell, which are the following. Number one, the traditional view that hell is an external conscious, uh, sorry, eternal conscious punishment in torment and in flames. That's the traditional view. That's what I was taught when I was growing up. It's like, you're going into the lake of fire where there's gnashing of teeth and stuff like that. That's the traditional view. Then there's, second, the annihilation view, where after death, everyone who's resurrected and the people who don't believe in God or don't want to believe in God simply cease to exist. Then we have, number three, the ultimate reconciliation view, or better known as the Christian universalist view, where people still go to hell but at any moment they can repent and be saved to heaven. Then we have the view of purgatory, where hell is some sort of between life and death phase where we further sanctify ourselves in order to be fit for heaven. And here's, if you want to study a little bit more on those four topics, a great book is The Four Views on Hell by Preston Sprinkle. Now, 
Depending on what camp you land in or what view you land in, you'll answer all of the questions above that we said differently. But before we discuss, we must understand that world-renowned scholars and theologians and 99% of, I can't, that was just a made-up figure, but uh, like the majority, (laughs) the majority of like legitimate theologians that are respected around the world, they have different views But the one view that they don't differ on is the reality of hell. Now, some people would love to erase hell. There's a great book by Francis Chan and Princess Sprinkle called Erasing Hell. Some people would love to simply just be like, you know what? I don't like that concept. And in fact, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I think he's way too nice to send people to hell. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to get rid of that idea that the hell is not real. And I'm just going to live my life and believe that we're all going to go to heaven. We're, it's going to be amazing. And, and everybody gets to go to heaven. I, I know a lot of people that wrestled with this question and said, I can't find all the answers to hell. So therefore, I'm just going to make it obsolete in my theology. But if anyone actually studies this word, they will recognize and realize that there is a hell. But again, for highly debated topics. But you got to recognize that there is because not only does the Old Testament talk about it, not only does the New Testament epistles talk about it, but Jesus talks about it. He says it, and these are some hard verses to read. He says it in Mark 9, 43. If your hand causes you to, if your hand causes you to stumble, whatever you're doing with your hand, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. Or in Matthew 25, 45 to 46, then he will answer to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So real talk, before we answer those questions about hell, we have to recognize that there actually is a hell. But again, some people want to ignore that reality. But and if you're going to do that, you got to like bend scripture like Beckham to erase hell from scripture. Like you got to work hard or just don't care about the errancy of scripture of scripture, and don't care about, oh, it's like, oh, I'm only going to take certain passages or leave out certain passages if, you're, if, if, if you really are studying it, you'll realize that there's hell, that there is a hell. And a lot of times when the people try to bend it out of Scripture, what they explain hell away as is they say that the Greek word for hell in, in, the, in the Gospels is Gehenna, which was also doubled as a name for a garbage dump outside of the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus, when they say, oh, Jesus was just talking about the garbage dump, and he was more so referring to hell here on earth, which is, because of, which is through pain and suffering and, and, and whatever. And they'll explain it away like that. But ultimately, when it says eternal, there's something more after this life that scripture points to clearly. So if hell is real as heaven is real, we got to believe that heaven's real. So anyways, we will attempt to answer some of the questions. And as we attempt to discover the answers, one, again, as I said, not all of them will be answered. Two, to be honest, I could be wrong. And this is why the topic is debated for the past 2,000 years. But we'll try to unpack it with scripture. So the first question, 
Does God or can God send people to hell? Is this a tough one? Anybody? Anybody think this is a hard one? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the hand. I think it's a hard one too, so. Okay, all right. We're gonna get to there, so just wait. Don't ruin my punchline. It's not really my punchline, but let me explain. Do we think God condemns people to hell? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Enough answering, sorry. <laughs> I know I engaged the crowd, which I wanted to do to get your minds thinking and going, but we can talk about it after. Is that okay? Sorry, I love you guys. Ladies, thank you. Appreciate that. I love the engagement. It's amazing. Would you like to, would you like to preach? Okay, one day, maybe one day. Come on, let's go. It's a hard pill to swallow because today in 2018, we believe in this God of like grace, 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 that he's like this loving father that would never hurt his children, which he is. He is both of those things. So then how could God send people to hell? Well, here's what I would argue. This is just, again, here's what I would argue based upon some of the things that I read in scripture. I would argue that God actually doesn't send people to hell. He doesn't like choose for them. Oh, you're going to hell. He doesn't like, oh, you don't have a choice in this. You're going to hell. So if we're going to understand this, we got to go back to the beginning in Genesis 1 to 3. And we got to talk about God creating humanity, creating Adam and Eve, and having incredible, complete, purified, like relationship with them, but also giving them this thing called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we got to ask, why was the tree placed in the garden? When God being omniscient, which just means he knows everything, why did God have, has anybody ever asked this before? Like, man, God, why did you even give them a choice? You knew they were going to mess up. And now I got to have this sin nature. And now I'm like struggling with whatever. I'm just, you know, like the, the typical like teenage whatever. Like, oh, I'm struggling with oh, oh, this stuff. Like, like, has anybody ever asked that when they're frustrated why they can't go get over something? Like, man, why did I feel like God like ruined it from the start? Well, one of the greatest things that I've learned is that God, in order for relationship to be real, in order for the love that humanity, he wanted humanity to have for him to be real, he had to give people a choice. So, putting the tree in the garden was giving humanity a choice. And this was the risk that God had to take, that we all have free will. And some people believe that we don't have free will, that we are predestined to whatever. But scripture would clearly show that God gave humanity a choice. So let's go to Hebrews 6 verses 4 to 6. The author says, it is impossible for those to have once Sorry, let me say this again. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming of this age, who and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. It says this, it's impossible for those to be brought back to repentance. So what is this verse saying? Well, this passage implies that for some, and by some it's referring to people who have actually experienced God, who have once believed in him, have tasted that he is good, been touched by the Holy Spirit, have actually fallen away. So that would answer the question of, could you lose your salvation? This would imply that you can actually turn away. You can fall away from it. 
It's not just the once saved, always saved. Though in Romans 8, even, I get it. Like there's, there's scriptures in, in Romans where it's like, nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. Well, we got to understand, like, what is, what is it meaning? Well, it means when God gave humanity a choice, it implies that he won't override your choice or free will. You see, these people in the author, the authors of this, described that people have encountered God yet have fallen away. It's so that it's impossible for them to be restored to repentance. And why, why is this? Well, it's because they're choosing to say, you know what? I've experienced God, but I don't want him in my life. And God won't force their hand back. So does God send people to hell? No, but he allows people to have their own choices. But then... You're like, well, what about those people that like grew up in another religion, like being a Muslim or a Sikh or some other religion? Like, or what about that person who was raped or molested by a priest or their parent who was a church board member? And, and, and their only picture of God is someone abusing them. What about the person in the jungle that has no access to hearing the gospel? And these are all great questions for that. But to be honest, I don't necessarily have an answer of what's going to happen with their fate. I don't have an answer. Apart from, I know that God loves them. He loves all people. He sent his son to die for all people. And that he would do everything in his power to give them an opportunity to see him clearly. And ultimately, I've reconciled this reality of not having a clear-cut answer from scripture of what will happen to those people, not babies and not people with mental disabilities. But people that were humans and lived, I I don't have a clear-cut answer, but ultimately I just have to trust that God is a kind and loving Father, and I'll leave it up to Him. And I realize that that answer may not be enough for anyone in here, but my encouragement in the form of a question surrounding this is, is did you get scared into following Jesus because hell is a real place? Now, 15 years ago, I would have probably said, yeah, I'm a Christian because I'm scared to go to hell. But here's the reality is that not many people would continue to follow Jesus based upon fear. And I love that Brett was saying that God wants to set people free from fear because fear tactics don't sustain, create a sustainable faith. And like I said, our parents' generation tried to force us into this and persuade us to follow Jesus by fear tactics. And that, the result of that is that so many of us as millennials are, are asking these questions and having deconstruction of our faith or don't have any faith at all. So my guess is you're not here tonight because you're scared of going to hell. You're here tonight because you have encountered and or desire to encounter the love and kindness of God, which biblically, the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance according to Romans 2 verse 4. So you're here tonight because you realize that there is a loving God out there. And your faith isn't based upon there being a hell or not, or there being a heaven or not. It's based upon the reality that Jesus came to earth, lived the life that you and I could not live, was crucified, died and resurrected three days later, enabling us to access God here on earth, here and now. Not just after we die, and then we get to go to heaven, and then we get to experience God. And that's what I found has tripped up the church, is because we think that the purpose is for us to go to heaven, or to not 
go to hell. But really the purpose for us as Christians is to actually bring heaven down to earth and push out hell and push out pain and push out darkness and push out fear and push out anxiety and push out depression. And oftentimes when we discuss this stuff, it can create such a, a, just a fear in us that we don't actually live and fulfill the mission. And it's, 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 it's obviously hard. And I know I didn't answer all of the questions surrounding this, but it's sad to see so many people get tripped up on these issues because this is not like the main thing about our faith. The main thing about our faith is surrounded around Jesus and his love being real for us and for us encountering him. Because again, nobody is serving Jesus long term out of fear of going to hell. No one's, no one's, no one lasts that long when they're just doing it out of fear. So all that to say, I know I only really answered one question, and I know I probably didn't do the best job at it. Thanks for your grace. I appreciate that. The one thought that I'd like to leave us with tonight is, is that our choices matter here and now. They really do. And if we continue or sometimes fall into making choices based upon fear and not love. It's going to be pretty hard to really fulfill the mission of bringing heaven here on earth as Jesus prayed, on earth as it is in heaven. These topics are hard. For real. The more I study them, the more some days I'm confused. But I guess my plea to us tonight would for sure definitely research these questions and come up with a a theology or a doctrine that fits with Scripture. Even though there's a lot and Scripture can support a lot of different views. But ultimately, I just think when it comes to heaven and hell is that it is up to us as humans with the choice and the life that God gave us. And if we focus on the good things, we don't have to focus on not doing the bad things. If we focus on bringing heaven to earth, we don't have to be worried about hell. And I I get it. It's like I I got family members that aren't Christians. I got a brother in law that's an atheist. He was a pastor's kid, born and raised in church, went off to college, became an atheist. He, he got explained out of the Christian faith. I, I get it. It's, 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 a, it's a tough topic. Like, how could God, why would God send my brother-in-law to, to hell? And I've, I've got other cousins that are pastor's kids too, that they weren't explained out of faith, but they turned their back on it because they saw hypocrisy in the church and they saw a bad representation of who God is. I get it. It's, it's, it's a very difficult topic to grasp and struggle with, but the Bible talks about it, so we got to talk about it. And again, don't have all the answers for you guys. And there's a few pastors in here that would probably answer this way better than me. Dave, you should have been up here, man. Would have really appreciated your help tonight. I'm just kidding. 
but our choices matter. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to get off the stage. And if you want to chat later, or if you have any questions, maybe then I just encourage you to turn around to your neighbor and say, hey, let's talk about this, struggling, or have some questions. Let's do a deep dive together on, through this, in the scripture and answer some questions about hell. So God, thanks so much for every single person in here. God, thanks for your grace. Thanks for your love. God, thanks for creating a heaven for us. And, um, <laughs> and God, that, yeah, you're so good to us. God, that you're so kind to us. That even though we don't deserve heaven, God, you still give it to us. God, even though we're not perfect all the time and um, we don't get it all right, we fall short. God, you still give us an opportunity to experience heaven, not only here on earth, but in eternity with you. So God, as there's still a lot of surrounding questions around this, God, I pray that, um, that it wouldn't be this mediocre sermon that <laughs> inspires them to go study this stuff out and research it, but God, that would be your spirit, that would be your love, and it would be um, a hunger in us to find out what the Bible says about these things. And ultimately, not just these things, but a hunger for you, God, a hunger for your presence, a hunger to encounter you, a hunger to live for you out of the love that you have for us, not out of the fear of not being loved by you or left out. So God, thanks for every single person in here. God bless them. And, uh...